So here's where we're at. We're in week two of a series called Be Still. And if, if you're anything like me, being still is like, I don't know if you're right-handed or left-handed. I'm right-handed. It's kind of like living life with my left hand. It's like, I like to hurry. I like to go. I like to move. Kind of type A. And so to sit down and be still, it's like so counterintuitive. Uh, but if I were to ask you this question, um, if I were to ask you this question, um, let's say that you are really busy. I think all of us, all of us would say we're busy on some level. Um, but if I were to ask you how you're doing, you would say I'm 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 good, but I'm I'm really busy. <laughs> and so here's but here's what I want to put in front of us today is are good and busy really supposed to go together? Are those two words that really belong in the same sentence? Uh, I was listening uh, or I heard about this one social experiment this last week about uh, a study where there was these people who were given AirPods or they were given like these Bluetooth devices uh, to go and basically just like. They, they would pretend like they were talking or talk to somebody uh, and moving really fast. And the people who were around those people who were always on the phone, always on the go, it, it shows that they actually perceived them as more important because they were busy. And so what do we do in our cultural moment? Well, we view busy as a badge of honor. It's something that we, that we like wear. Like, it's kind of like the S on our chest. If I'm busy, then I'm doing really good. So it's like college students are busy. Empty nesters are busy. Retirees are busy. And then we make our kids really, really busy with all the academics, athletics, and uh, activities. Uh, but I, I, I think a picture is worth a thousand words. And so I want to say a lot with a little by just showing you a picture of something that I did see this, this past week. This is this guy, he's a circus arts enthusiast. So I want you to just kind of see what's going on right here. This guy, he's on a unicycle. That's impressive. Can anybody do that? Wow, that's, that's incredible. But then the plot thickens. It's like he's got a hula hoop and he's juggling and he's spinning a plate uh, with his mouth. And you look at that picture and you're just like, that's how my life feels. <laughs> Trying to get all of the stuff done on a regular basis. It literally feels like I'm trying to perform a circus act every single week. But here's the, the honest question that I want to ask. Is all the busy making us better? Really, think about it. Is, is all the busy in your life, is it making you better? Well, here's what I can tell you. Distraction rates are at a record high. One study showed that uh, the human attention span is now down to eight seconds. The average goldfish's attention span is nine seconds. Yes, we are losing to goldfish. Be encouraged. <laughs> uh, so distraction rates uh, are up. Depression rates are, are up. Uh, you look to your left, you look to your right, you look at yourself. One of you are depressed. One in three people are uh, depressed. Uh, and, and then there is addiction. And I'm not just talking about the unsightly stuff. I'm not talking about all the you know, all, all these things that just like are kind of like taboo over here. I'm talking about streaming entertainment. <laughs> I'm talking about uh, Amazon purchases. I'm, I'm talking about uh, that, that phone that's in your hand right now, probably, or in your pocket or purse that the average American is going to touch 2,700 times today. I'm talking about that Starbucks run that you just can't get through your day without. And then uh, to to make matters even worse is anxiety is up. We're more anxious than ever before. And, and some perspective, if you talk to someone, maybe you live with someone who's between the ages of 10 and 25. So this is the most anxious generation that we've seen in, our, in American history. So if you, if you talk to someone between the ages of 10 and 25, there's a 70% chance that they're dealing with some serious, serious anxiety. The world's coming at you really, really fast and you're struggling to keep up. So what do we know? What we know is that all the busy is not making us better people. 
It's, it's not making us better people. And I'm going to show this to you today. Um, open your Bibles. It's Psalm 127 is where we're going to be today. We're going to be in a couple of places. We're going to start and end in Psalm 127. But here's what we see. The busy is not making us better. We're up on what we should be down on, and we're down on what we should be up on. And so that's why there is this refreshing invitation that is extended to all of us to be still, to enjoy an unhurried life. And what is an unhurried life? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a life where we have space for what matters most. Uh, uh, the, the, the greatest present is presence. So to be present in the moment with people, to, ha- to have a life where my soul can be whole. And I want you to think about uh, the life of Jesus for a minute. You couldn't hurry the guy up. Like there was, there was nothing you could do to get him in a hurry, to get him to where he was anxious or just like over-worried. His friends tried to do it all the time. His disciples tried to do it all the time. People who needed a miracle were trying to do it all the time. But one of my favorite examples of this is Jesus and his disciples are uh, out on the sea, and there's this big storm that comes, and what is Jesus doing? He's asleep uh, underneath the boat taking a nap. And it's like, I, we, can't, we can hardly sleep uh, with what our weeks throw at us in our modern moment, but Jesus, is, he's asleep during a storm. His disciples wake him up, and he's like, guys, why, why are you so anxious? Why are you so afraid? And I love this, and this is the word that really we pray that God is going to speak over your life in this series is peace, be still to the storm, and all is calm. And that's what we want to hear from the Lord, and that's what we want to believe in faith, is that we can be still in God's presence, and the storms that normally toss us over, or throw us overboard, or, or wind toss us, can be calmed. And the question is, how do we get in on that? Well, around Coastway Church, here's what you need to know. We go to the Word of God for a word from God. And so today, we're going to start up, and we're going to end up in Psalm chapter 127. So uh, what is a little, little context here, just so that you know what a, what a psalm is all about. So what is a psalm? Well, first of all, if you're new to this whole church thing, the P is silent. You might be wondering that. It's like, is it a, a psalm or is it a psalm? It's, it's, it's a psalm. The P is silent. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, psalms are poems and songs that express the human experience. Uh, ever heard the phrase, there's an app for that? Nowadays, there's an app for pretty much everything. Uh, well, you could say it this way. There's a psalm for that. So the psalms, what do they do? Uh, it, well, all of God's word speaks to us, but the psalms actually speak for us. They show us how to hope through uh, highs, hurts, hangups, uh, everyday experience that, that we encounter when we live, work, and play. And so Psalm 127, it's likely written by this guy named Solomon, one of the wisest people who ever lived. He had his fair share fair share of faults, of flaws, and of failures, but one of the wisest men who ever lived. And what made him wise is he knew how the world actually worked. And so what Psalm 127 is, is it, it is a perspective of, of praise that is anchored in wisdom. It shows us how life does work, and it shows us how life does not work. So take a look at verse 1 with me. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And I want to point out something here in verse 1 is that that name that is used to describe God, the Lord, is the personal 
knowable covenant name of the biblical God, the one true God. And so this is not some general like God out there in nature, God in the universe, you know, you know, build a bear God where you choose how you want him to look. This is like the personal God who has chosen to reveal himself to uh, fallen sinful men and women like you. And so here's what we see in verse one is that apart from this personal biblical God, the Lord, my work will be worthless. Isn't that a humbling thought? Oh, take a look at verse two. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Well, what do we know? Well, apart from the Lord, your life will be restless. So it's a scary thought, but verse two, what is it, what is it doing? It's putting this caution tape over what happens when we work and when we live apart from God. And the analogy, it's very graphic. It's, it's, it's uh, feeding on anxiety. So imagine you're sitting down to have a meal, to nourish your, yourself, to, to feed, feed on, and the main course is anxiety. So have, have you ever eaten something that made you really sick? Like that did not agree with me at all. Well, th- that's the whole idea right here, is that when you feed on anxiety, it's going to make you sick with worry and with hurry. So what is anxiety? Well, it's very simple. It's active insecurity that God doesn't care and that God has lost control. And many of you are anxious. You go about your week, anxious. You go home, anxious. You show up to church, a setting like this, anxious. But I, wanna, I want to remind you or help, help you see that anxiety is, what is it? It is your soul's natural response to difficulty apart from God. And all of us, everyone encounters difficulty, right? Life is hard. Nobody gets a hall pass on pain, but nobody has to face difficulty alone. Everyone struggles with difficulty. Not everyone has to struggle with anxiety. So how do we face the difficulty of being overwhelmed, overworked, and over-worried? Is there a practice in the life of Jesus, in the Word of God, that really works that can set us free? And the answer is a resounding yes. It's called the Sabbath. So the word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to stop. And it's simply a day to stop working and worrying, speeding and stressing. It can also be translated as delight. So the Sabbath is an entire day set aside to stop and enjoy God's good gifts. Author John Mark Comer puts it this way, that the Sabbath is a delivery system for life. I love that. Who needs a little life delivered to your soul? I know I do. Or uh, my daughter puts it this way, the Sabbath is a day where you go to the pool, you don't work, and you leave your phone alone. Like, I love that too. <laughs> that's, that's clear. But the Sabbath, it's this timely and timeless practice that we all need. And here's the invitation that I want to extend to you today. Will you come and be still in Sabbath rest? Now, I normally don't have us go to different places uh, uh, in Scripture. We normally just like really stay rooted in one place. But today, for you to see the full vision and the full value of Sabbath rest, we're going to have to go back to the beginning where it all started. Uh, so you don't have to, you don't have to turn there. Um, you can if you want to, but it's going to be on the screen. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 
And so what we see in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, is we see the creation of the Sabbath, where it all started, what it's all about. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished by God, all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So this will hurt your head a little bit, but I'm going to ask this question. Why is God resting? Like, is, is he over it? Is he tired? Is he, is he exhausted? No, no, none of that. He's, he's God. He's limitless. He has no beginning and he has no end. But the reason why he's resting is because he's modeling for us what a healthy way of life looks like. So I want you to consider this an invitation to think with me for just a moment. Man was created on the sixth day. God rested on the seventh day. So by this point, what happens? We have done nothing but watch God. That's the only thing that man has done at this point after being created is watch God. Uh, we're no, and we're no different, by the way, than a young, impressionable child looking up to their, to their mommy or their daddy, uh, wanting to learn how to live, ready to imitate, uh, and ready, ready uh, to, to get involved and participate. And here's the thing. What's the first thing that humans ever saw our good and gracious Father doing? Here it is. Rest. Relax. Not in a hurry. It's a deep idea, right? So the first thing that Adam saw was God resting, God not worrying. But here's, here's the, the trouble for us. is Some of us, we've been in church our whole life, or we've heard about this whole Christian thing, but you've never seen God this way. You've never seen a God who is resting, who's inviting you to participate in that rest. You see a God who's like cosmic and impersonal. Uh, you see a God who's harsh and judgmental. You see a God who's like just universal, but you've never seen a God that's deeply personal that says, come take a day off with me. Come rest with me. And we're only two chapters in, and what we can already see is the central message of the Bible. And when we see God, our, our work being ultimately fulfilled and starting in God's work, what does it do? It changes everything. And so here's the central message of the Bible. God's work gives us rest. The best rest begins with God's work, not ours. So this applies to creation. So what happens? God creates all these good and beautiful things. And then he creates man after like kind of as like the capstone of his creation. He says, come and enjoy this with me. He doesn't say, no, you pick up a hammer, you build something, you be a good moral person, and then I'll let you enter into the doorway of all this good that I've created. He says, no, no, come and enjoy it with me. It's a gift. You don't, you don't even have to earn it. But it's that way with creation, but it's also that way with salvation. Creation is a gift, salvation is a gift. And we read in Ephesians 2, a servant of Jesus uh, named Paul, he writes, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by works. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast. And so it's a humbling idea for you to think that your salvation, no part of your salvation started with you. It didn't start with you working, it started with Jesus working. It didn't start with your uh, sinless life, uh, it started with Jesus' sinless life. And, and it continues with his substitutionary death and his victorious resurrection on the cross and in your place. And it's good news, because what this news does is it fully and it finally 
sets us free. Sets us free from the need to, to prove ourselves, to perform well, to, to please everybody. Uh, but it also, it, it sets us uh, free, um, but it also, it, it fully and finally forgives us. So forgiveness, it's a transactional term, or it's a financial term. It's like I owe someone somewhere some debt, and this is a debt that we couldn't pay, and so Jesus came down, and he paid a debt that he didn't owe so that we could be free, so that we could be forgiven. It's a gift. Now, what are the hardest words in life, but certainly the Christian life, for us to believe? It's three words, very simple. It is finished. And those were the three words that Jesus cried from the cross as he was dying in place of guilty sinners like you and me. It's the hardest word for us to believe. And so here's, here's what happens, is why do we go on sinning? It's because we don't believe it is finished. Why do we resist the Sabbath? It's because we don't believe that it is finished. You know, we go on sinning because we still feel like God is not enough to satisfy. We go on sinning because we don't believe his word, and we put our word above his, and we say, I still got to earn it. I still got to prove myself. I still got to pursue pleasure on my own terms. And we resist the Sabbath because we just think, well, God's work's not enough. And I can't rest in what, what God did, otherwise the world's going to fall apart. This is, this is humbling. So um, you're, you're going to, let's, let's say that you live for like 90 years, okay? You technically only live for 60 because you're asleep for the other 30. And, and, when, you, and when you do end up dying and entering into eternity, what's going to happen? Your loved ones are going to be really sad. Your friends are going to be really sad. The rest of the world is just going to keep on going, is, is, is just going to move on as normal. And yet we spend our whole lives thinking like everybody's just going to have a global crisis or meltdown, but there's a better way. Verse three, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So here's the idea. God worked hard for six days then God rested well on the seventh day. So what is this? It's this Sabbath pattern, rest on the seventh day, that is embedded into the DNA of creation. And when we fight it, we fall apart. But when we have faith in it, in it then we come alive. We come together. We don't fall apart. We actually see our lives coming together. So the pattern is work hard, rest well. Labor leads to leisure. So how should we think about the Sabbath? Well, there are two words commonly used to describe it, blessed and holy. And, you know, I don't know what comes into your mind whenever you, you think blessed, maybe like a hashtag that is just kind of like spiritual mumbo jumbo, jumbo. but uh, blessed, basically there's only a few things in creation that God has called blessed. I'll, I'll tell you two of them, humans and a day. So why are humans called blessed? It's because we have the ability to produce life. And so what does God say to humans? He says, hey, get married, be fruitful, go multiply, fill the earth with life. And so what, what is it that makes us blessed is that we are, we are able to produce life. And that was a capacity given to us by God. Now, what's the connection? What is blessed about a day? The ability to produce life. So what God is saying is that if you will trust me, if you will follow this rhythm of rest that's embedded in creation, your life is going to be filled with more life. So there was a survey done on the happiest people on the planet. And toward the top of that survey was this group of Christians who take the Sabbath uh, religiously seriously. And so they were at the top as some of the happiest people in the world, 
and also the people who live the longest. They were on average living 10 years longer uh, than others who were surveyed. And here's, here's the thing about if you do the math, if you add 10 years to a normal life, that would be the equivalent of taking adding one day per week to a life of 70 years. And so it's like, God, are you right right here? <laughs> like, what, what is going on right here? Uh, but then it's also holy. So uh, maybe I, when, when you hear holy, again, I don't know what comes into your mind. There's a lot out there. Maybe you think like jean skirts, or maybe you think people who are like uh, prudish or judgmental. I don't know. But uh, in the, at this point, ancient, ancient Near East gods were found in the world of space, not time. When we think about something that's holy, it's basically something that's set apart, that's distinctly different, that's, that's unapproachable because of how good it is. And so what happens is uh, if, you, if you survey all the mainstream worldviews, uh, you have to go to a place. There's a holy place, a pilgrimage to Mecca, a Hindu temple, or some particular shrine. And in the places of, of worship for us is we go to places. We go to the bedroom to worship. We go to the classroom to worship. We go to the ball field to worship. We go to the office to worship. And those are the places that we view as holy. But if you want to encounter the one true God, what's being said is that just set aside a day of the week to stop and to enjoy your creator, God. And it's interesting that the Sabbath shows up in the rhythm of creation from the beginning, but it's not commanded until 70 years later, or 70 chapters later in the book of Exodus. So if you go to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, Here's what we see. In Genesis 2, you see the creation of the Sabbath. In Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, you see the command of the Sabbath. And so the Jews, the Hebrews, God's chosen people, were just set free from slavery. And they need need this manifesto on how to live, how to relate to each other. And so what does God do? He gives them these things that are called commandments. You would know them as the Ten Commandments. And here's here's one of those Ten Commandments, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's interesting. Uh, this is the only commandment that we're told to remember. I wonder why that is. Well, it's probably because it's the one commandment that we don't feel guilty about breaking. You probably feel guilty when you lust. You probably deal with some guilt when you lie. You probably deal with, with a little bit of, of mom guilt if you're like envying the way that another mom is parenting or, or the way that they get their kids uh, to, to listen and, and, and sit up or whatever. But, uh, you know, you feel guilty when, when you borrow your friend's Netflix password and access their streaming. No, you don't feel guilty about that. Okay, all right. Here's, is that wrong? Is that wrong? Yeah. Not, not, not supposed to do it, but uh, verse 9. Uh, <laughs> don't feel guilty about it. Um, verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So see this. God doesn't just call us to rest. He also calls us to work. Work is very good. I'm not sure what you need to hear today. Some of you need to hear the call to rest. Others of you need to hear the call to work. Because here's, here's what we see. Work existed before we sinned. Work was infused into God's very good design for creation. Did you know we will work in heaven? I hope you enjoy it. But here's the difference. Before, before sin happened and struck the world and cursed the world, work was a joy. Why? Why would work be a joy? Because work is how we make a difference. 
Work is how we see ourselves going to work with our heavenly father, participating with him in things that bring renewal and things that make uh, an impact. And there was two types of work that existed from the beginning. There was uh, intellectual work. Hey, Adam, go and name all the animals. And then there was physical work. Hey, go and cultivate the garden. And all work falls into one or both of those categories. There's intellectual work or there's physical work. I've heard it said that if you work with your hands, you need to rest with your mind. If you uh, work with your mind primarily, you need to rest with your hands. Just a, a, a principle for uh, Sabbath rest. But uh, think about how, how do we make a difference and why is work so important? Well, um, let's say that you want to uh, influence uh, minds. You want to you educate. Well, man, you could, you could go and you could be a teacher. Uh, you could be a professor. Or let's say you want to bring order from chaos. You don't like chaotic things. And you could be a lawyer. You could, you could be a, a, an engineer. Maybe you could work in law enforcement. Or uh, let's say that you want to help people heal physically. What do you do? You could be a doctor. You could be a nurse. You could be EMS uh, personnel. But what we see is that work is a very good thing. And the, but the flip side of this is that uh, some, of, some of us, we work a little too much. And, and we, we, we worship our work instead of viewing work as worship. And here's how you know that you're a workaholic. You're emotionally numb. After you're done, you, you drink too much. You eat too much. You go to escapist behaviors. You're, you're looking at things that you, that you probably should not be looking at. You're getting sick all the time. You're having to miss work because you're not taking care of yourself. Your spouse is pointing it out. Your roommate's pointing it out. Your friends are pointing it out. It's like all these smoke signals. It's like, I'm not on fire. I'm not on fire. No, you're, the building is burning uh, down. And that's why God keeps going in verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. In other words, the Sabbath is a day that is supposed to look different. So take a look at verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord, here's our word, blessed the Sabbath and made it, our other word, holy. So this is interesting. Of all the spiritual practices that are described in the Bible, the only one that is commanded in the Ten Commandments, the only one that makes God's top ten is the Sabbath. I wonder why that is. Well, it's because the Sabbath is what would be called a keystone practice. The way you get to all the others is by taking this one very seriously. And it's interesting, it's the longest commandment of all ten, and it's the happiest commandment of all ten. So if you were to pie chart the Ten Commandments, this, this one commandment would take up 30% of the pie. So it's the longest. God spends the most time on this than any other. Interesting, right? But it's also the happiest of all commandments. It's the only one that is stated positively. Everything else is, hey, avoid this. Stay away from this. You know, the bridge is out ahead. Don't do this. But this one is like, no, this is joy. This is, this is fun. This is good. And it's like, why do we have to be told to do something that makes us happy? It's like, you probably don't have to be told to eat ice cream. You probably don't have to be told, hey, go and have a, a beach day. You, you'd think we would just be on it, right? But there's something inside of all of us. We're so immature. We're so addicted. We're, we have so much FOMO, fear of missing out, that we want to hurry our way through life and resist rest. But here's what I want to invite you to remember. Rest is embedded in creation. You will come to Sabbath either voluntarily or involuntarily. And here's what I mean by that. You, if you break God's law, it will end up breaking you. 
If you run from God's law, it will end up ruining you. It's like fighting against the grain of the universe. And every time you do that, guess what? You're going to get splinters. So what does it look like if you come to a involuntary Sabbath? Well, for example, the last time society tried to go to a seven-day work week with, with no rest days was during the French Revolution, and it led to a public health crisis, and they had to go back. If you go with me to Conway Medical Center, you, you go over with me uh, to, to Grand Strand Medical Center, you're going to see a lot of people who are taking involuntary Sabbaths because they were anxious their whole life. They overworked their whole life. They never rested during their life, and now they're having to have heart surgery, and it's catching up to them. But when you voluntarily believe God's law, here's what happens. If you believe God's law, it will bless you. Whereas if you break God's law, it will break you, but if you believe God's law, it will bless you. And here's, here's how this works. God loves to give you more by taking something away. So uh, the, the principle would be, um, some, the reason why some of you are not experiencing the blessing that God wants you to have is because you have a hope, you have a habit, you have a hobby that's unhealthy that you won't let go of. And what is it doing? It's blocking blessing. So this works uh, not just with rest, it works with relationships. Some of you, blessing is getting blocked because you are allowing toxic relationships to cross lines in your, in, in your life that they have no business crossing. Or, or they're taking you in a direction that is not healthy for your life. It works with your finances. So here's a biblical principle, and it, it, do, it does work. You, know, you could go around the room, you could go and talk, about, talk to many with, just within our church family and see how um, this idea of Sabbath is, is very similar to this idea of tithing, which is that everything that I get, I'm giving 10% right back to God because it was a gift from him to begin with. And so the question is, do you believe that 90% with God is more than 100% without God? The, the, the idea is, with Sabbath, is do you believe that six days and one day of rest with God is more than seven days without God? And so when we say, no, I don't believe that, what are we doing? We're blocking blessing. So here, let me do this. Let me hit refresh on Psalm 127, 1 through 2. We started up here. We're going to end up right here. And here's what I want to show you while we're going to boomerang back. So Genesis 2, that's the creation of the Sabbath. Exodus 20, that's the command of the Sabbath. But what is Psalm 127? It's the conviction of the Sabbath. It's the conviction of the Sabbath. What is a conviction? It's something that you deeply believe in. It's something that even when you're busy, you continue doing. So let me show you this uh, one more time. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. I want you to notice how sleep is a gift. You're just like, I could follow this, God. I didn't know that was in the Bible. I got a new life verse over here. It's like, uh, sleep is a gift that God gives to those whom he loves. But when you give a gift to someone, how, how can it be like extra special? Well, it's, it's special if it's something that they need. It's special if it's something they enjoy. It's very special if it's something that they both need and enjoy. And this is why I'm so grateful for Amazon wish lists. Because before Amazon wish lists, I was about as natural as a redneck at a tea party trying to give gifts over here. I needed a lot of help. But God knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you will enjoy. And he gives you, as a gift, rest. What happens what happens when you have a baby that first year? What's the hardest part about it? It's like, I can't get any sleep over here. It's like, I feel like I'm going to need to take crazy pills. 
I'm like, I'm, I'm going crazy. Why? Because you need sleep. Uh, have you ever uh, pulled an all-nighter before? College students, some of you, you're going to procrastinate this semester and you're going to end up doing that. It's, and it's not going to go great for you, but, but you'll, you'll end up recovering, but you can't live a life like that. Did you, did you know that withholding sleep is actually a form of torture? And what God says is that you need sleep. What God says is you need rest. And that's exactly what I want to give to you. And, uh, you know, I got to laugh at the timing of this, of this sermon, uh, honestly. I, I, I really do. God knew that I needed this just, just as much as anybody in the room. So if you don't get anything out of this, I'm getting a ton out of this because we're getting ready to have a baby boy. The next time that I see you guys, we see you guys, we may very well have baby woods in tow. And so it's, it's exciting, it's scary, um, uh, but we're not going to get a whole lot of sleep. And like you, I will need the convictions described in Psalm 127. And what are those convictions? What is it? Well, here, here it is. If I rest in my unfinished work, I will be restless. But if I rest in God's finished work, I can know rest. Chick-fil-A. Okay, what, what happens at Chick-fil-A? Well, you always want it on Sunday, right? Yes, you do. And so <laughs> they're closed on Sunday. Chick-fil-A is built on this principle that is embedded in creation that we're talking about today, that we have to have a day of rest. We have to have a, a Sabbath. And so whenever you're like craving Chick-fil-A on Sunday, you're just like, I really wish that I could get that. You see the lights off. You don't see a bunch of hurry. You don't see a bunch of panic. Uh, you just see this, this nonverbal signal that says, we trust God. And I don't know a whole lot about fast food, but whoever's in second place is like a far distant because we are, like, it's just a different experience. What is happening? God is blessing Chick-fil-A because they have this conviction. Uh, uh, Hobby Lobby, also closed on Sunday, uh, the Green family. They're one of the wealthiest, most generous families in the world. They actually built that, the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C., if you ever, ever go to see that. They, they basically funded that. Um, but they, they have this generous, blessed life that is built on the conviction that if I work in my work, it's all going to be worthless. But if I rest in God's work, then I'm going to know rest. And you're just like, oh, there's, I, don't, I, don't know that there's a, I don't know that there's a connection right there. There absolutely is. And so here's what I want to do with the little bit of time that we have left. I want to give you some concepts for the Sabbath. I want to show you like how to get started. Uh, and so first of all, like what is it? Well, it's, again, it's a day of the week to stop and enjoy. I love how one of my mentors put it. He said, you need a day that looks different. And here's, here's how you know that you, you might be keeping the Sabbath is you have a day that looks different. Here's how you know that you might very well be breaking the Sabbath is every, you do the same thing every day. Like nothing, no, there's no one day that looks categorically different. And so like, what does this look like in the woods home? I'll just be very personal with you. It's messy. We're figuring it out. You know, we, we just uh, weathered a really exhausting out-of-state move from North Carolina to South Carolina to start Coastway Church. We're getting ready to have a baby. We, we bought and built a house. And so there's disruptions and interruptions all the time. And I'm not telling you that we're perfect at this. I'm telling you we are pursuing this. And I want to invite you to pursue it with us. And this is, I'm not trying to be a Pharisee. I'm not trying to give you a bunch of things to do. Today is about actually doing less and being more. But what I want to do is I want to give you three uh, customizable concepts that you can do what with? That you can curate to your own life season and your own life stage. And here's the first one. You've got to plan for the Sabbath. 
You have to plan for the Sabbath. So where did we get the idea of a holiday from? Well, a holiday, think about it, is a holy day. It's a day set apart from all others. So the Sabbath is literally a weekly holiday, sounds great, that we plan for with anticipation. You know how you plan for Christmas? You know how you plan for Thanksgiving? Just eliminate all the family drama, and that's kind of the idea with the Sabbath. So how do you, how do you plan for it? Well, you need to pick a day. Ask the question, will, will, when will I, when will we Sabbath? For us, it's Saturday. And here's what we do. We guard our Saturdays like a couple of junkyard dogs. And here's why. Because the Sabbath is the oxygen mask of the Christian life. We're tired going into Saturday. We're exhausted. We're frustrated. We're confused. We feel very human going into Saturday. And so we need to put on the oxygen mask of rest, of it is finished, not I need to go and finish it once a week, and it's worth protecting. That's what, that's what we try to do. So pick a day. When, it, when is it going to be? Next, prepare ahead. Did you know that culture has its own version and vision of the Sabbath? And it's called a day off. And here's the deal. Sabbath will happen on your day off from work or from school. But it's so much more than just a day off. And, and here's the deal. You get two days off. How did that happen? This is not, like, this is not something that's happened for a very long time. This is like a, this is an American idea to get two days off. How did that happen? Well, the, uh, the, the early settlers who were pro- predominantly Christian could not decide on whether or not they wanted to observe the original Jewish Sabbath on Saturday or the Christian Sabbath on Sunday. So we got both. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Moses. You get two days off. This is, this is not common. But what do you do with this? Well, most people use part of or all of both days off to do what? Catch up. Catch up on all the work they didn't get to the other five days. And here's what I want to propose to you. It's very counterculture. It's going to feel like you're living with your offhand. Get all of those things that you need to get done on the other day off so that one of your days off can be a Sabbath. See, what makes a day off a Sabbath is that you're intentional before it comes so that you can stop to enjoy it when it actually comes. So, for example, let's get really practical. Those texts, those emails, get them knocked out. Get your groceries stocked. Get your meals planned. Get all those returns back to Target. Get your homework knocked out. Get your chores done. Get ahead on those house projects or postpone them until the next day off or work day. And here's what I just want to tell you. Sabbath will not happen without intentionality. It will not happen without intentional conversations with your spouse um, or just personally if um, you really want to plan this. You got to plan the other six days. The next thing I want to show you is Not just plan for the Sabbath, but stop for the Sabbath. Stop for the Sabbath. Sabbath literally means stop. It doesn't mean rest, it means stop, but you can't rest unless you stop. You ever tried to rest without stopping? You're anxious, you're hurried, you're the worst version of yourself. Just ask the people closest to you. You can't rest if you don't stop. So what happens is you stop doing the things on the Sabbath day that you're doing the other six days. And here's a way to think about it. Symbols help us stop. How do you know when to stop when you're driving a car? You come to a stop sign. (laughs) You come to a red light. So all this week, when you come to a red light, when you come to a stop sign, I want you to think about the Sabbath. How do we we stop for the Sabbath? Um, Do something symbolic. Do something symbolic. So there's uh, several different things that you could do right here. You could light a candle. 
You could cut a watermelon. That's been one of our crowd pleasers around the woods home lately. Uh, you could cook a meal. Or you could do one of those. And guys, by the way, I'm from Marshall, North Carolina. And I'm about to say a big word up here. So charcuterie boards. You could do a charcuterie board. I'm very proud of myself, given my roots, that I, I could actually say that. But what is it? It's, it's just an adult lunchable. That's all it is. It's like you get all, all these like little snacks and I don't know, all the stuff that goes on there. But get like a snack board out. Do something that communicates, man, we're throwing a party. This is awesome. Uh, put your phone out of sight. Put it out of reach. And let me show you kind of what we've been doing. And maybe you saw these in the lobby on your way in. This is called a Sabbath box. And it has revolutionized rest in the woods home. So what happens is we start our Sabbath with the Sabbath box. And so you can like take off the front and you see a dish rag in there. That's intentional. So basically what you do is you put something in the box that represents what you're gonna stop doing for the Sabbath. So what does this represent? We're gonna stop doing all the chores. We're gonna stop working and running around like crazy. And here's one of my favorite parts of the week is I take this one-eyed monster and it goes right here. And I'm like, I'm not worried about it. You know, I, there's a couple of boundaries and borders in place. I'll check it maybe two or three times a day with a five-second rule to make sure that, you know, there's not an emergency. But other than that, it's staying in here. And what it symbolizes is that we are stopping. We are Sabbathing. And so what we'll do is we'll read some scripture. We will pray to the Lord. And then we will go and we, we, we will stop doing what we typically do. And we will enjoy other things that are going to bring us and fill us with a lot of life. And so here's what you can do. There's a few of these available in the lobby. If you want to get one today, you can do that. You can see Pastor John, he's going to be there. Uh, or you can go to goodkind.shop and you can get your Sabbath box. You know, and, and if you're a college student, maybe, you want to do, maybe this is something that you want to do with your, with your roommate. Or if you're a married couple, maybe this is something that you want to communicate and start planning for your family. I can tell you, it is worth it. Lastly, here's what I want to show you. Enjoy the Sabbath. Enjoy it. Don't just plan it. Don't just stop for it. Enjoy the Sabbath. You need to do two things. Enjoy God and enjoy his gifts. So here's what, here's what you can do. You can have an extended time of reading God's word and responding to his word through prayer. You will never get perspective unless you pause. And so here's what happens is you spend that time in God's word. You're hearing from him. You're listening to him. You're responding to him and you get perspective. You say, you know what? Um, I, I've complained a lot this week. I, I, I wish, I've, I've been critical of other people this week. I wish I made $10,000 more. But as I look out on my life, I've got a pretty good life. And God's been good to me. Or, or maybe uh, you think, man, the kids are just wearing me out. We're having some discipleship issues. But you stop long enough, you look out, and you just say, you know, we have a good family. We really do. We're, we are blessed. Or, or maybe you look at your marriage and you're like, man, the, the past 20 years have been hard, but they've been good years. And God, I'm grateful that we still have more years ahead. We had a moment yesterday at, on our Sabbath where we just went around and we just intentionally encouraged each other. And I, I started kind of the encouragement chain, started encouraging Victoria. Eleanor was listening in on that. And she was like, I want to be encouraged and I want to encourage. So it literally was like, encourage the person to your left. And it was, it was just awesome. And that was something that never would have happened if we had not planned to stop and stopped to enjoy. This is the moment for me when my soul just like catches up to my mind and body. 
And I, I would just tell you, if you, if you stop the Sabbath to enjoy God, it's probably gonna be, do the same thing for you. You need to enjoy his gifts as well. What is refueling and refreshing for you? It's like maybe taking a nap. There's something called the Sabbath schluff, and it's a Sabbath nap. And some of you guys need to go and you need to schluff hard. Not the same thing as the Cupid Shuffle, it's the Sabbath schluff. Enjoy that, that's free. Maybe you wanna play a board game. Maybe you wanna have some time on the beach or at the pool. Maybe you wanna create some art. Maybe you wanna do a puzzle. Maybe you wanna date your spouse. You know, for me, I, I like going for a run. That might not be you. We see some of you guys running. We know that you're in trouble. We know that something is wrong and we need to call somebody. That's okay. <laughs> so you're like, yeah, yeah. Um, but here's the whole idea. What, what refreshes you? What renews you? What fuels you? What energizes you? Plan it, stop for it, and enjoy it. And let me tell you what this is all about. The Sabbath is not ultimately about a day. The Sabbath is about a deliverer. You see, there would be 40 years later after Exodus 20 when the Sabbath was commanded through the law of Moses. Moses, he's on the doorstep of death as he's getting ready to enter into eternal rest, and he recasts the vision of the commandments. And in Deuteronomy 5.15, he uses a different reason for why we need to Sabbath. Instead of a rhythm of creation that we see modeled by God, it is because you've been set free from slavery. And so, uh, whenever you think Sabbath, you need to think Savior. Because what has Jesus ultimately done for us? He has saved us from what once enslaved us. And the modern word for slavery is addiction. And if you've ever been an addict, or if you've ever talked to an addict, here's what, here's what you're after. Rest. Rest from the walls closing in on me. Rest from hopelessness. Rest from these impulses that are just destroying me. These thoughts that I can't live with. I want rest. And what are we doing? We're starving for rest. And God says, I want to give it to you. But there's no rest a couple things. There's no rest in religion. There's no rest in religion. All the performing, all the pretending, all the proving. What does it lead to? It leads to despair because you're never going to measure up. You're never going to be good enough and you'll always be wearing a mask. But also there's no rest in rebellion. For some of you, your sin is your Sabbath. And so what do you do? You're, you're overeating. You're, you're, you're drinking too much. You're giving yourself to casual sex. You're spending money that you don't have. You're, you're texting that toxic relationship and opening your life up to more burden and more despair because you're so afraid of what would happen if you were left lonely. There's no rest in religion. There's no rest in rebellion. There's only rest in relationship. And I want to show you that if you have someone in your life who just fills you, who's just a joy to be around. And I pray that you have someone like that. But that's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. He, is. he is our joy. He is our fulfillment. He is our desire. He is ultimately our Sabbath rest.